So we, I have a big announcement for you guys. And this, in all honesty, this is unexcusable to me. Unexcusable. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It deals with Patreon. Uh-oh. And it also deals with not making the cut podcast. Uh-oh. Otherwise known as Off Uh-oh. the Cut, available on Apple and Spotify. But, so... This will Uh-oh. be the second episode that this person's name is mentioned on our podcast. And I cannot believe what I'm about to say, but Gary Furness is a top tier patron of Off the Cut. Now, are you sure what? that this is fact or is this rumor? Is this confirmed? It is fact because I was listening to the latest episode, Why I Don't Know. It's like I was trying to fall asleep while <laughs> I was driving of Off the Cut Podcast. And they were welcoming their new top tier member, Gary Furness. Top tier, Off the Cut. You know what tier uh, he is for us? Uh, the the $1 a month one? No, the second tier. Oh, second, second tier. That do you think they, te- do you that think brings they, a tear to my eye? Do you think they scholarshiped him? I don't know. I feel like they had to do something like brainwashed him. Maybe I don't know. They were they... like, hey, we want to give you a free top tier. Maybe they're infiltrating. And yep. maybe was, we, we need to watch that. Mm. I mean, it, Gary has been with us since the beginning. Yep. And now he's giving max support to the worst, arguably the worst woodworking podcast on the planet, off maybe, the cut, available on Apple and Spotify. Maybe he's very charity minded. You know? Yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe he, good maybe point. he thinks they're a nonprofit. Yeah. I mean, if they, I mean, it is, it is easy to have sympathy for them. Yeah. So maybe he's just wanting to support because he realizes that maybe he was just feeling like giving, a giving heart that day. Mm-hmm. And maybe and he's hoping he does like quit. the food. He does like the food network. <laughs> I think he just wanted the title of wedge salad. Maybe. Oh, are we going to tell him? Or I guess we have now that it's on the podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. He's going to hear all about this and I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll get a text message and it'll be something funny, but Gary, how dare you? Are we going to yeah. send out Guido? Our guy. Hello, Hello governor. You know, that guy that visits houses. That ask mm-hmm. questions. Are we going to send him out? We've got a guy. Yeah. We got it. Hey, we, we got, got a guy. We've got a guy. I was just very surprised to hear that. When I was listening to the episode, I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Gary Furness, new top tier patron, off the cut. Mm-hmm. After everything we've done for Mr. Gary Furness. I I feel bad though. And this he, is how he thanks us. I feel bad if he did that to try to get inside knowledge, and he was gonna like be, be excited to tell us that he was like, "Hey, I secretly joined, and no one knows," mm. and we kind of blew that up. <laughs> I yeah, I am going. Yeah, I think we think we don't listen. You think we just talk all this trash? Um, I'm I'm gonna say that I I would like to believe that. He is a top tier patron of them because, you know, they probably have little to no support as it is. And maybe he yeah. just feels guilty. Yeah. It's Christmas season's coming up, you know. Mm. All right. That's probably, yeah, mm. I think so. 
I would have listened today. Um, probably they would have been on the list, but I, for, I, I had a day where I forgot my AirPods, and that's a weird feeling. You reach oh, in your pocket, no, and you're worst. like, I was like, man. And I started thinking, well, it's okay. It's okay. And I thought, no, it's not okay. It's not. Like, I get the habit of when I'm going to be, like, working all day by myself that I, I have a plan that that's one of the things I'm going to do. And it's it's amazing how much um, you get reliant on it. And I even thought to myself, I have, I have three Festool, like, blue uh, Bluetooth. I have the small radio, and I have two of the other ones in the van right now. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I could just play that. But I'm like, no, I can't because I'll be making noise, and I won't be able to hear parts of it. And it's you really can't do that when you're working, making noise working. So I went yeah. through that. That was a stress I had today. That's the oh. most stress I had today. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible day. I know. S- I know. Speaking of stressful days, let's welcome our two new pa- uh, patrons. Oh, Gary Furnace top tier. No, not Gary Furnace. Gary Furnace still way down at the bottom of the barrel in terms of Patreon support. Oh. Thanks a lot, Gary. But, next uh, week we'll 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 get an update next week. We'll have a come to Jesus moment with him. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he just accidentally signed up on the wrong one. Maybe yes. he meant to increase yeah. on ours. Yeah. I'm but... still thinking it's going to be a scholarship voucher situation. I know that's what's going on. We're going to yeah. start seeing other people, other, other members of our community is, are going to get scholarship vouchers and they're going to be complimentary top tier. Before... Maybe, maybe he took out a student loan for it. Maybe. <laughs> Before I uh, read our two new patrons, we do have two new patrons uh, at the Tight Bond 3 tier, which, again, just to make clear, is higher than what Gary is on our podcast. But <laughs> um, dang it, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> it was a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. It doesn't matter. Um, right, we have two. We have two new patrons, Mr. Ken. Daliage, Daliage, oh. welcome, welcome, Ken. He has a, a handle on here at blind underscore gentleman underscore woodworking. Ooh. Welcome, Ken. Welcome. Thank you for uh, for joining at the Tight Bond Three and paying for the full year. Matter of fact, wow, thank awesome. you. And then today, just about an hour ago, we actually had Mr. Peter Baker. Oh, Peter Baker. Oh, Peter Baker. Yeah, Peter Baker. You know that guy, Peter Baker. Is that yeah. old man Hi, Baker's? Peter. Is that old man Baker's son? Yep. Yeah, old man Baker's son. <laughs> Welcome, Peter. Welcome. Mr. Uh, Mr. Baker signed up laugh. for Type Bond Three. Paid for the full year. We always, <laughs> we always appreciate it. And I'll... what are the benefits? What are the benefits? Uh, <laughs> if you sign up to be a patron, well, you get entered into our giveaways along with all kinds of other stuff like monthly calls and Discord and all these great things. Um, but as usual, um, I don't know what the giveaway is right now yeah. for this month. But it's but it'll be something. But it's millions. And if we get re- if yeah, we get millions. renewed for next year's season, there's gonna be more millions. Yeah, for sure. I think we'll is get that renewed. old man Baker's son. <laughs> Yeah, old man Baker's son. I think we're going to get renewed for next season. What do you all think? I think so too. I think so. Going to pick us up. Yeah. I I mean, it's not like they have any any other good woodworking podcast to choose from. I mean, we are the only. That's true. Good woodworking podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Well, you guys want to chat about what we've been up to a little bit? How about a giveaway this month? We got one yet? I still don't know what it is. 
Okay, dokie. Just checking. I just want to know how many entries I get this month, anyhow. So zero. Oh come on! I like to. Marianne win. Sedgley, she gets some. Yeah, but not you. Not like Ryan's his top Sedgley. tier. Yeah, Kelly's yeah, top tier, get... right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Did I tell you all last week? It was I called her not too long ago. And she's like, "Hold on a second. And she goes, "I had a bit pause." She goes, "I was listening to the podcast." I was like, "What?" I didn't realize she was listening because she did it first. Oh no, she did it first, and I started thinking. I didn't think she was ever going to like listen to it again, but she said some. So she's like around the house. She still listens to it. I'm like, oh, oh. gotta remember that. <laughs> well, yeah. it's good that you always talk about how amazing she is and how perfect yes. and beautiful she is, and how exactly. you're the luckiest man on the face of the planet to be with such a wonderful woman. Exactly. Yes. I need to yes. make sure I keep that in mind. Yes. Um, yeah. It's yeah. And then uh, Cameron listens to it during a certain class. He said it's an industrial safety class, and the guy reads from a book for oh. 45 minutes straight. He reads from a book, and Cameron said he puts his AirPods in, and he just sits there and looks at the guy and, like, shakes his head. And he said he thinks that that guy thinks he's the only one in class that pays attention. But he's, he's listening to our podcast. <laughs> it's awesome. But he uses against me regularly. Like, we'll be doing something, and he'll be like, well, that's – and he'll do a quote from the podcast. And I'm like, that was from the podcast. So – you always got to remember, there's people that listen. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to find out the giveaway next week. Is that what the. Yeah, probably. Okay. I just, I, I've been really bad about reaching out. I, I did reach out to, to someone today, just haven't received a response back. But um, I'm, you know, it's definitely coming. I just haven't been on my A game lately with it. Hey, also, just to mention to someone, I'm waiting right now. I think I'm going to get it soon. Just for everybody listening, I think we're going to get a special um, deal coming from WorkbenchCon. If anybody's considered going, we're going to get a oh, yeah. green suitors um, code. I'm, I am I followed up just the other day, and I'm expecting to hear back. But we'll have to share that really soon. So if anyone's thinking about getting a ticket to WorkbenchCon, I think we're going to have a special code. I got yeah. I got one for you. I was thinking about you know uh, workbench con and they have all these people talk. Has anybody ever done a talk down there about a podcast? Yes. Okay. Every year, yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. I was just wondering because yeah. it'd be kind of neat that the three of us could get up and talk about the podcast. I'm sure. I mean, we could. We could, I mean, we could pitch that to them. I don't know if they have anybody on no, it for this I mean, year, but I, they've had them in the past. I was just thinking maybe not this year coming up, but maybe 2025. Yeah, that would be good. That'd be a good you idea. Yeah. And maybe we could put a, a twist on it or something to make it really cool. And it'd be fun. Yeah. Just I mean, us just us. There, the history just us, just us yeah. being there. Honestly, yeah. just us being there um, will be amazing for anybody that comes to that class, right? Because the three of us are... I mean, we're, we're essentially gods. The, yeah, and the, the oh, what would be great is that if if the guys over at Off the Cut wanted to learn how to not yes. suck, they yeah. could absolutely come. That's why I actually think that we should probably do it next year because I don't think they're going to make it to the year after. Yeah, wouldn't at the be rate awesome going? Have, we could put in the front row. We could put reserve for Off the Cut the front seats. <laughs> off the Cut. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. No. <laughs> Just have just have three seats in there, period. And when people come in and be like, sorry, guys, this is reserved for the people that need it the most. <laughs> and I say, 
I say three seats, and here's why. They that their podcast is three people now. Yeah, it, it is, is three people. They don't want to admit it, but it is. And the funny thing is, is the one person that they keep not including. They like they need to redo their intro. Eric, Zach, if you're listening to this, you need to redo your intro, and you do include your third guest. Yeah, because. I'm gonna be honest with you. He's on, he's really the only reason I listen to it because he actually says things that are smart. <laughs> you know, it's like every once in a while I get that nugget because Eric's running his mouth or Zach's running his mouth, and it's like boom, this guy. You know, yeah, it is. You know, in three people, it works. It works, and they see that. I mean, that's that's a way to good way to imitate the green suitors to have three. So that's oh, that was, well. Believe me, they're doing a lot of imitation. They have a Discord now. They, I guess, they're starting to gonna do monthly calls mm-hmm. or something for certain tiers. They're yeah, they're copying us. They and I'm sure they don't have they don't have seventy five to hundred people on their monthly calls. I'm sure. No, like we do. No, I mean, they don't have. What are they gonna? They what are they gonna call it? Uh, their uh, calls dessert with the boys. <laughs> dessert with the voice <laughs> grocery shopping with the voice <laughs> oh my god that's perfect another t- we need to we need to start making t-shirts for the podcast be like they're all just bashing off the cut salad bar with the boys <laughs> appetizers with the boys <laughs> oh my gosh oh gosh that's good wedge good salads stuff. with the boys it's good stuff all right well let's we we man we've really beat them up today pretty good i know we've been slacking the last few weeks so yeah now we're now we're caught up let's let's move on what have uh what have you guys been up to mr fulton i feel like i'm the same song and dance i'm trying to wrap up all my outdoor projects which i'm on the way for doing um this week is going to be an important week we've got nice weather you know like 70s crazy so i'm taking advantage of that and we we have been working on the boat. We had a fail. We had a we had a, something that I just decided it wasn't was not working, and we just aborted. Um, and that was using the carbon paper method to transfer over layout lines for um, the frames. And we tried out two of them, and I, there was like an eighth inch variance of where they were kind of off, and it, it, that's just not good enough when it's frames. And so we're 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 going to do a different way. We were trying to do it the old school way that someone with a limited amount of tools would do. But now I'm just like, whatever, forget that. <laughs> I'm doing a scan and I'm going to let my CNC draw out the layout lines where we don't, I'm not going to forego the quality level that I can do just to try to show something that everyone, the method everyone could use. That's kind of where I am right now. We're, yeah, we're throwing that out the door. That. We're throwing that out the door. So now we're we're going to actually scan the layout lines and put them on like a white piece of melamine and we're going to build the frames on that so we don't have it'll be there'll be zero difference of symmetry from one side to the other. So that's where we are with that. We did film that and I think I'm just going to show in the video that that was a fail on what we did. It's like the method that a lot of people use. Um if I ironed them better, like whatever, like there's a lot to that using a four by sheet of carbon paper. There's just a lot. There's a lot of variance there. There's a lot of wiggle room. So we worked on that this weekend and I, I call it a fail, but we both agreed after drawing two of them, we we're like, no, we need to do it better. So did yeah. that. 
I've got some really cool flesh tread flesh trim two and a half inch router bits because the next step is for us to make some half inch templates out of ply and we're going to put mahogany underneath it and I'm going to attempt to cut both of the one inch pieces of mahogany flesh trim them on the router table um, for all the frame pieces so that should be cool um, thinking that I'm just going to try to cut as close to the line as possible so it's not yeah. taking off too much material <laughs> well, yeah um, that'll be a good Cameron you know job to cut all those pieces but that's where we are with that mm. and I was uh, say start... don't go ahead not not you you had mentioned that you were like trying to approach this in a way that more people you know be easier for somebody to do like don't even waste your time with that because you know what I've started to notice like if you were to do that you're going to get a bunch of people that comment about well why did you do it like that you should have done it like this if you do it the way that you're going to do it you're going to have a bunch of people that comment well must be nice to do that if you have all those tools like it it yeah, makes no difference was... That's why I was trying to avoid. I, and technically, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask your your all's opinion on that. Um, technically, we could cut the mahogany pieces of the boat frame on CNC, but we're not going to do that. I'm going to cut the the templates on CNC, and then we're going to use the router to do that part. And partly because it's just a pain in the yeah. butt to affix, you know, solid mahogany to the CNC and cut it. It's like it's just as fast to finish it out on the router, and I want to show that process because that's the way most most people would be doing it so we are going to do that but yeah i'm going to throw some of that out of the way because i told cameron i was like we're not going to use the cnc for anything because if we do people are going to be like well if i had that machine i could build a boat well, too but it's going to take as much work every time we use the cnc it's going to take almost as much work as it would be to do it manually but it's just going to be perfect that's the difference that's kind of what it boils down to hmm. it's not like you just it's print it out i think know? a good takeaway from that is the making the templates uh there's a variety of ways to make them but you're just taking a, a cool way of doing it but you're still making a template and mm -hmm. then taking it to the, the mahogany uh, that's a huge thing for people is making templates how do you fare a template how do you make it in, you know what i mean how yes. do you lay it out yes yeah. and it's interesting just from the build off you know we Yep. The the other team they used quarter inch ply for the template, and we had a lot of problems with that. The bearing was riding up and down. Oh. And it started going, and I'm glad I saw that because I went with three eighths. Uh, yeah. Half. I went to half. I did a half inch because mm -hmm. I didn't want to have that problem. Yeah. Because when you're do too small, like quarter inch, your bit could, your your bearing doesn't really have a a big surface to ride on. Yep. There's not enough variance. There's not enough wiggle room there, and you can start having problems. So I, I that reminded me that was a recent, recent thing to remind me. Just go thicker on that. Yep. So that'll yeah. be our next step. Hopefully, we'll get those uh, templates, and then we'll be cutting our first boat parts, like hopefully next weekend. Way cool. So that's where we are nice. with that. How about Excellent. what have you all been doing? I'll go. Who's okay? <laughs> Uh, I spent a little time in a shop <clears throat> this weekend uh, getting uh, some of the boxes, uh, doing my final sanding, filling, um, the ones I built for my buddy Goo. You know what I hate, though, is you build something and you get caught up in life and then you got to go back to it. It's a yeah. I, And I was thinking, God 
and, and I'm not even finished. I still got to get my finish on there, do my final inspection on it. But then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm consumed now because I, I got so much going on going into um, the new year. I'm going to try to get them to them by Christmas shipped out and everything. But at work, I'm just getting ready to do quite a few things on the road. Hartville, a build-off in Tampa right before Christmas. All-female build-off. That should be fun. Uh, but I spent a quality weekend with the missus. I did. Did I tell you, was it last week I was telling you I was getting ready to do some yard work? Those trees in the front. Boy, do they spit leaves. <laughs> I spent six hours Saturday and six hours Sunday uh, doing yard work. Oh, nice. And it, I was in heaven. I love doing yard work because at the end you sit back, have a couple beers and go, wow, dude, I accomplished a lot. And the one of the highlights of the weekend is seeing Bruiser at the house. <laughs> that kid is a tank and he did not stop smiling. God, yeah. we had a good time. Patrick and Michelle came up. Uh, you and Leo were out of town. And uh, we had it was fun. We went down to North High Bruin, had a few pops. It was cool, but just hanging out with Patrick and Michelle was wonderful. They're such a great, great couple. So that was that's what I've been up to. Uh, geez, just trying to get time in the shop is is tough. But had a sedge tool weekend off, so got a nice. lot accomplished around the house. All right, that's good. What have that's you been good. up to, Mister Bent? I don't know if I've, I mean, I haven't really shared much about what happened with our, uh, with the door install. So I'm going to talk about that. I've been working on the kitchen Island, went to monster jam with Leo. That didn't work out. Anybody that watched my stories probably knows that, but anyways, um, great weekend, Patrick and Michelle were here, but on Thursday, this is the thing that I wanted to bring up. Uh, my, uh, previous Sergeant major, um, was going to come replace the door. We've been waiting on this door forever. He, he came months ago, took off the trim, got the rough opening, placed the order for this door. Door comes in. Um, they don't even tell him that it came in. And then they, they shipped it back because the door was damaged, did not reorder it. And so finally he, you know, contacted them and was like, what's the deal? And they're like, oh, it came in, but we sent it back. I'm like, well, did you order another one? And they're like, well, no. Well, why not? So basically we were like waiting all this time. They order another one comes in right at the end of October. So last Thursday was the day that we were going to go ahead and install it. So it comes out, we remove the door, um, pull the uh, existing door out and we go to put the new door in. And, and I, I remember, I, I remember, yeah, the first time that we, that we put the door up, like we got the flashing and everything ready on the bottom and like everything was good to go. And I went inside and I was like on the back inside and I'm like, I don't think this is going to fit. It was like an inch and a half too much, too tall. Didn't even oh. think, didn't even think <coughs> to look at the width. Right. Didn't even think it gets so much better. So we're like, oh no, like how, how did this happen? And, and, you know, at this point I can see the disappointment on his face, like what is going on. And so what I think ended up happening what I think is that the size of the door was the size was ordered as the size of the rough opening, but didn't account for, you know, the rough opening is 60 by 80, 
but you need 62 and a half by 82 and a half or whatever the case is, right? So that you had to adjust. Well, the problem is, is that like that size door that I have wouldn't is now no longer a, a standard size because I need to fit into a 60, 80, which means I need like a 58 by 78, right? Which you're not going to find unless you have it custom made, mm -hmm. which I'll get to what I think happened in the first place. So he's looking at the framing and obviously there's a header that goes above the window. And so he's looking at the framing and we, we notice that, or he notices that there is a two by four that's just nailed in six spots to the one above it. So he's like, I know what we can do. He's like, we just pull this out. There's a header above it. We just pull this out and now it fits. So we cut everything out, go, that solves that problem. But as soon as we got everything back up there and went to go put it in, I was like, it's too wide. And there was nothing, much? an inch maybe on each side, maybe a little bit more. Um, and it, I mean, there's nothing that we could have done to fix that. So, well, I mean, you could have cut the two buys long ways down, which sucks. But yeah, but that would have caused, that would have caused so much more work. And then who knows how they framed it. I mean, we would have to peel more stuff back to see like, mm -hmm. okay, is where's the King stud and Jack studs or what, you know, what, what does this look like? And so at that point we were just like, crap. Well, the only option we we, we like got online trying to find another door in the area. Of course we couldn't find anything that would fit. Um, because then we, I started, I started to see myself, um, because he told me, he's like, check what the rough opening size that it fits is. And I did. And that's when I started seeing 62 by 82 and a half. And I'm like, shit. So we ended up putting the door back in, um, and it's fine for now. And then he ended up having to order the right door for the correct, uh, for the rough opening size that we have from builder one source, I think mm -hmm. local here in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And they're a two week turnaround. The problem is it was $700 more expensive. Mm -hmm. Custom Same order, right? I'm, yeah. I'm not Same sure. price for the door, but the, the cut and the custom order is more expensive. You know, I'm not sure why, but it seems like to me that patio doors are the ones that for some reason change in size, like houses built in the eighties. You cannot get that size patio door. It's a custom made. Houses built in the nineties. It's a certain size that you can't get. It's like they decide all of a sudden, let's not do this size anymore. Let's do a different size. And it's like every 10 years, it seems to me they change the standard size that builders use that you can't get that anymore. Do they do that on purpose? <laughs> I yeah. Mean, so I'm I, starting to wonder if that's done I, on purpose. I you think know? I know what happened in my scenario is that when these homes were built, every home had a sliding patio door. The people that lived here uh, that we bought the house from, they're the ones that actually put that door in. So when they did, I'm sure that they probably got a door that was custom to that size and they didn't modify the door opening at all other than maybe putting that additional blocking above to fill that void. So because of that, I, I think that that opening is for a sliding door. It's not for no. the, the door that's there. But it seems like when I talk about, I'm talking about like builder grade houses, it seems like every time I run into a builder grade house from like the eighties on, mm -hmm. it seems like that that door that the builder bought like in bulk, he didn't get it custom made that that's not available after like 10 right. years or so. It's like they changed the sizing to where you almost have to go custom. 
it almost seems like it's on purpose. So I've ran yeah. into that so many times. It's interesting. I've never really came to the conclusion until I just heard your story. And I'm like, this seems like the, when was your house built? Like 2003, 2002. Yeah. It almost seems like it's an every, like say 10 year thing that they mm. change the standard sizes of doors, especially yeah. patio doors. It was That's- a, it was an interesting, it was an interesting day to say the least. Well, you know how when you were asking me to come and help you with the door, yeah, that's that's one I've had just enough experience in though that that was probably a high priority, uh, pro- probability, not priority, high probability of something like that kind of occurring. And then when you add the distance of driving back and forth, it ends up being another trip. That was my fear because you run in. It it seems to be a common thing that problem that you run into, and it also it's not totally you all are the blame. It's the door. The, the people who sell the door, they should yep. be more attentive to when you yep. say your measurements, they should say now, are the measurements you're yes. giving me the rough <clears throat> opening size? Yes. Yep. Because our door is going to be this size. And it's like, they don't take the time to make sure that's, that's kind of the problem. Right. They totally. To, 100% yeah, agree. They should have caught it. Well, and the, the, the crazy thing to me though, is think about it. If, it should be as simple as me going and measuring the framing around the door and it's 60 by 80. And when I'm buying a door and I, I'm looking for a 60 by 80 door, it's it's giving you a, six, a door that will fit in a 60 by 80 opening, not here's a 60 by 80 door that will fit in an opening, which is actually two and a half inches larger. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be that way. It's just like <laughs> two by four, four by four. Guess what? Those aren't the actual sizes, but they are advertised as such. You know what I they mean? Should, they should ask you, because I've seen this so many times, what is your rough, rough opening. opening? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you have a door that will fit in that rough opening with plenty of wiggle room? Yeah. But you're, you're right, Ronnie. The person who's selling it is not as attentive as they should be. That's what, you know, the other one we, we run into all the time because every time a tenant moves out, we replace the blinds pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it's so confusing because blind manufacturers sometimes yes. try to help you out by saying, this is the actual size of the blinds. But a lot of them now are saying this is the size of the blind that goes inside of the window. For example, if it's a 28 inch window, they'll say this is a 20, it's a 27 inch blind, but they'll say it's for a 28 inch window they do the math for you which is mm-hmm. it's like the opposite problem i'm like i can do the math myself don't mess me up by yeah. doing the math for me so if you look at blinds you always got to look and see what is the actual width right. of this yeah and it's actually the it's a smaller number on the package than the actual mm-hmm. top yes. and they're very consistent with that so we run into that all the time that they try to help you out and it actually makes it more confusing for people who understand what they're doing Mm-hmm. but RO, you know, they always have that RO link. And when you go to like Lowe's or like a big, big box store, they'll always have two measurements on the side of the door and they'll have RO and it has the measurement on there and they'll have actual. And I always look at that RO measurement because I know what my rough opening is. Yes. And it's, and the only way you learn that though, is to have it happen to you, what happened to you. Yep. And then you become paranoid about it and it'll never happen again. I, <laughs> I when I go and I buy something like that now, uh, we just bought a um, uh, level R for the back uh, back door. I 
want to be more educated than the person selling it. So I do my research first because Ronnie, 100%, you have to go through. Wait a minute. You have to make that mistake to learn. Yeah. Because it, it, and it sucks too. I'm just glad that you guys didn't damage the patio door taking it out. I know. You'd be like, well, well we're taking it out anyway. Let's rip it out. Let's <laughs> rip it out. Yeah. Well, we kind of did. So there, there was like a plastic frame work that was underneath the sill. And when we pulled it out, part of it, one, the very center of it was screwed into the ground. So when we pulled it out, it actually like kind of snapped apart, but we were able to put all that back together. Like it never happened in the first place. Um, and of course, you know, my, he was like, we can put it back in, but you know, we can do our best. Like we resealed everything. I mean, it was, it was better sealed when we reinstalled it than it was before, I'm like sure. hands down. Absolutely. Um, but now we're going to have to clean all of that stuff off. I mean, he was like quad, uh, the quad max, uh, mm. stuff all around the seal. It's foamed on the inside. But what I wanted to to point out was, um, so I, I had companies come out. We, we talked about this a long time ago when, when I was first thinking about doing this and they gave me these crazy high estimates, seven, $8,000 and tried to sell me this amazing door, you know, and, um, we just decided to go with a little bit more traditional door. And I, I gave, I asked him if he wanted to do it because this is what he's kind of wanting to get into now that he's retired. And I just thought it would be fun for us to do it together. And I was like, Hey, I'll, you can have the job if you want it. The only thing I ask is that you let me uh, help and watch because I want to learn how to do it because I've never done it before. And we got to do that. It was fantastic. Um, so I, I really learned a lot. And to be honest with you, um, like, I feel like if, if we were to replace our front door, which we probably will in the next couple of years, I think I could do it with the help of somebody else. Obviously it's a big door, but like seeing the process, I really, I really do feel comfortable well, you're gonna, um, doing you, something like that. You're going to get another chance to do it again when the new door gets there. Oh Yeah. So you know, you'll yeah. have two you have two times doing it. I really yeah. feel like with I mean this goes for a lot of things, but it's like some of these things like doors and windows, it's all about the measuring. If you get it the right size, it's an easy job. But that's really what sometimes you're paying for. You're paying for that window person that comes out that knows how to get that measurement because I've regularly replaced windows before and I've been off on the height and I've had to spend a lot of time making it fit. Oh. And it's like, oh, yeah. oh so I've learned, I have this phrase I say all the time when I've got, I'm working with a trim carpenter who's making like a, an opening for my power screens. I always tell him, I'm like, don't be the hero. Don't try to make this. When I'm telling you the size of this, give me wiggle room. Don't, don't be the hero. Cause trim, trim carpenters like you want an inch and a half. I'll make that slot exactly inch and a half. I'm like, no, yeah. give me some wiggle room. And window manufacturers make a little collar that allows you to slide it up and mm -hmm. like make up for you know, some, so it's, it's always better to go less than, than too big. That's kind mm -hmm. of the good general rule. Cause you can always put the spray foam in there. You can always finish it off, but when it's too big, it sucks. That's, yeah. that's what I've learned, but yeah, well, it was definitely too big. So now we it's, to, I mean, it, as you do see, it it's, a, it's a fairly simple process. It's not a big deal to take out a door and put it in. It sounds like a big deal enough that some people don't want to do it in the winter. They don't realize it's only out for like minutes, you know, right. just enough time to when you take it out and set the other one in there, it's very short amount of time, but it's all about the oh, measuring. 
hopefully we'll be doing ours not next week, uh, but the week of the 20th. So right before Thanksgiving, I think we should be able to get this new one in. Um, but that that's what I've been, I just wanted to share that because I thought, you know, maybe people listening could find some value in that. And I, I don't think I had spoken to you guys about it and I didn't, hadn't been on social media discussing it. So, um, so I want to get into the topic and the topic that we, we had a couple of topics that were written in by patrons in our discord in the uh, show topics. We were going to talk about those, but then while I was working today, something had happened that reminded me of a story that I saw yesterday or the day before on Instagram. And I think it's a really interesting topic. And that is when, when does it matter and when does it not matter? And what I'm referring to is the details. So I was watching some stories from uh, Spencer Lewis, uh, insider carpentry. And he was just talking about that. Like, you know, early on in his career, you know, going balls to the wall, basically trying to make every single little feature absolutely perfect. And then now fast forward in his business, like he understands what things matter and what things don't matter when it comes to uh, building furniture or doing trim work or molding or casework or whatever it is that he's doing. He knows where he needs to spend more focus and where he can spend less and not compromise the, the value of the job. So the reason I thought about it today was because I'm building a kitchen island for myself, right? I built this built-in behind me for myself. Um, one of the things that I do is I use half-inch or 12-millimeter Baltic birch. I don't edge band it. Um, on these, I didn't even apply finish to the drawer boxes in the kitchen. I absolutely will be applying finish. And it's like, I, I do these things. Uh, I just did the trim, the baseboards around my house. Could I have coped? Yes. Did I? No. Right. So it's like, I started to think about why I was doing things a certain way. Another example was, you know, my, the door can, or the drawer box construction, I use pocket holes because it's just going to get covered with a, uh, you know, a drawer front. No one's going to oh. know. And it's yep. plenty strong. Um, and so it, it just made me think about that story. I was like, what, what matters and what doesn't? So I thought, Sedge, with your background and, oh, you know, running a cabinet shop and Ronnie, your current position in your own business where you build furniture and you do all this renovation, you know, high-end work in your client's house is like, there has to be things that you guys are looking at now or Sedge that you were looking at back then that you're like, this doesn't matter. This does matter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You want me to start? Well, I'll continue yeah. with the, I'll continue with the drawer boxes <clears throat> kitchen cabinetry, or let's just say, let's, let's start with two different types of spaces. Um, kitchen cabinetry. We'll start there. Some people want the dovetails. Right. Uh, some people could care less. And that's that's where you got to look to see your a your time. But it, that time costs money. So you have to, how do you say, educate the customer? Everybody. Whoa, I want those dovetails. <clears throat> what I would have done is I would have taken three, three alternatives to them. I used to go with two, a dovetail box or one that I put together with. Um, uh, sounds funny. 
but it was a rabbit a joint and I stuck I it together with crown staples. I knew that you were going to say that. I mean, which is plenty strong. I knew you yep. were going to say that. Yeah. Yep. I mean, okay. Yeah. And have you ever seen one of those fail? Have you ever seen no, one fail? Never. Never. And it's all the so in an office space, there's a lot of times I would build with a crown staple. Nowadays, I would do it a little bit different. I'd bring three samples. I would bring dovetail. I'd bring my domino through 10 and one that I like that. I always love. I think it's strong. It's a, makes a nice looking exposed uh, 10 and joint or crown staples and a rabbit joint. But you're right, Jason. Most of it will be covered up with that drawer front. So. What does that customer really see? When I was thinking this through about attention to detail, a box is a box is a box is a box. I like to construct with three-quarter material, okay, because I would educate the customer. I build a solid box, and it's designed it's, – It's I would, I would call it a ballistic box, okay? They go, what's the difference between you and a Home Depot? They make it out of particle board or half-inch material. Ours are a lot stronger, but the detail is what we worked on the most. And that was what they saw. It's what the customer sees. Okay. And what they see is the drawer fronts and the doors and what they think is the hardware are the pulls and the knobs. What we as a cabinet maker, everybody likes that damn soft close system, right? So, oh, you mean the hardware, like the drawer slides and the hinges? I go, yeah. So do you want them to, you know, slam or do you want them to soft close? So th those are the little details that I would work on. I wouldn't do too much with construction of the cabinets. It's what the customer sees. I'll, I'll have another example here. It's uh, It's what, I'll say it again. It's you know what waterfalling is on veneer, what wrapping veneer is, okay, and book matching veneer. Your customer sees it, but they don't know what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I could do a book match doors and non-book match doors. And I would put and I would show, or you can show them side by side. Kelly Mailer taught me this. He built a beautiful armoire, all book match, and one beautiful wood, same wood, but not book match. And you would look at it, and he goes, I know you like the one on the left. Do you know why? And uh, he did this presentation with our spouses and all the guys and gals in the woodworking uh, guild. And he said, woodworkers do not say. And all the spouses went, well, we like the one on the left. And they didn't know why. It's what your eye is drawn to. And just recently, I built those and I wrapped those boxes for my buddy's uh, recording studio. And there was one I didn't concentrate on wrapping the grain. My wife, Marianne, called that out. She goes, you're going to wrap the other two, aren't you? And I go, yeah, I'll wrap the other two. You but created she, a monster. <laughs> I did. And I was going to say that. I go, it's because she knows. She has that attention to detail. She knows what she likes. She goes, and then when I did that, I wrapped the grain on the other two. Because you're just going to see the way it's leveled. You're just going to see the top of the middle one. I had been planning on doing it anyhow, but that attention to detail is, I, I think, it's a distinction of craftsmanship mm -hmm. versus people just throwing things together. So, man, I was long-winded on that one. No, I, I you covered pretty much, you covered 
my first thoughts. And it's all about, like you said, a box is a box and it's all about the jewelry. I've, I've learned that the hard way. I used to think, Oh, if I concentrate more on the back end, the, the sad, the, the fact is people don't care. I mean, and you know, to the point of that, and I've talked about that sometimes when we're trying to do a rental turnaround, I'll go and buy like a home Depot, Lowe's vanity bath. And I'm always, when I'm unwrapping it, I'm like, this is disgusting the way they built this. This is ridiculous. It's like particle board with plastic angles stapled holding together. But Cameron and I talk about it. It's like a learning experience. You know, I pull those out sometimes and I will show him. I like throw it off the porch and show how they just explode. They don't hold up. They don't. But if I take the other side, if you install that and you install it to the wall, it's going to hold up like longer than I'm going to be around in this world. Yep. So it's like, where's the, you know, everyone doesn't have the budget for like a super complex build of three quarter sometimes particle board will work and it obviously does and it works in commercial spaces it works i'm always i'm regularly impressed with commercial furniture i'm always looking underneath when i'm at restaurants and i'm looking and i'm like gosh this wouldn't even be acceptable to me but it's working so it's like i think sometimes especially with social media we raise the bar to a point that is like so high Mm -hmm. when other things would work perfectly fine I have, I've said before on the podcast, I know for sure, I've never had a pocket hole joint construction fail ever, yep. ever. Me either. Me either. I also have said I have never glued my pocket hole joints ever. I never have. I feel like it's not really doing a lot. It is helping. And to anyone listening, I understand it is definitely adding a little bit of strength before it stresses the screws, but I just, I've never done it and I've never had a failure. And, and the best example that I think about is that Cameron's bunk bed that he had until he was way past old. It was high enough that he wanted it all the way till he was like, gosh, I mean, like maybe 12 because he's had his room for about four years now, 12 years. He climbed the ladder that I made quick, just did it in the shop, two screws on each side, poplar wood, two screws, on each, not glued, not only him going up, Kelly went up it to make the bed every single time. I never had one of those come loose and it was just two pocket screws, no glue going up the entire ladder. When I built it, when he was like tiny, I thought, well, we'll change that out in a few years. It doesn't matter anyway. Ended up, he used it from the time he went out from the crib, which was like maybe four-ish range all the way to 12. And I still have that ladder in my shop. I just couldn't throw that away. I got rid of the bunk bed because it was like mounted to the wall, but I still have that ladder because I'm like, it's so impressive. No glue, two pocket screws on each side. And that ladder held up. I mean, I went up, I went up it rarely, but yeah, you it's, can, you can never throw that away. Oh, that's I can't. A memory. That's a memory. <laughs> I, <can't. laughs> I saved that. You know, I, I built that bed out of two by fours, like a simple deck in a corner, you know, just a simple framed mm-hmm. up with screws. And I put like these little, this little cloud thing going on it where it looked kind of cool and it just held the mattress. And then it had a one post going up it. And I did it that way for let for material. There was like hardly no material at all. And I did it high. I did it to the level that Kelly would approve. And then I went up like she said that high and I went up six inches higher. So it was like, it was like probably four and five, five feet off the ground. And so he had it all the way till he was like 12, but I did save the ladder. I got rid of the rest of it, but I, I, I laugh sometimes because I've done a post before where someone's like, you need to glue that pocket hole joint. I'm like going, we're talking about a ladder. You think your the drawer is going to be is going to come apart? No, it's not. It's well, super strong. 
well, what you were doing two uprights and the rungs in between. Yes. You couldn't have used glue because that's end grain to long. Grain. I know it would have. Failed. I know it doesn't do anything. It doesn't. It, doesn't. <laughs> it does. It makes you feel better, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, and it's super funny. strong and it held up for all those years of and not one ever came loose. And it's impressive. It's pocket screws are not impressive to social media because they're like, oh, those are quick and easy. They're not strong. They are strong. Yep. And making drawers out of them. I mean, you can hang from those drawer fronts. <laughs> they're not mm -hmm. coming loose. And even what you were saying, the rabbit with the crown staple. Have you ever seen yep. one get pulled apart? No. Nope. No, they're strong. But the only time I've ever on... seen those fail is when it's particle board and it's half inch. Yes, yes it yep. can get pulled, especially someone not taking care of it. Particle board is definitely the, the equation that I don't even consider building something in particle board. Not only because it's not strong, because it's a pain to work with. Yep. You know, it's like it's unpredictable. It's brittle. It's just awful. But if I would have if I would have done because the, there was a. Part of me that I did consider momentarily, I was like, maybe I'll just use crown staples. And just because it would have made everything go together so much faster. Like I love pocket holes, but I also don't love the, the painstaking efforts to make sure everything is lined up and getting it clamped. So it doesn't shift, even though the castle pocket hole machine is a little bit quite, well, quite a bit better with it, with the shift than the Craig is. But even still, like it, it almost makes me go, I should use pocket holes, but also use a domino to locate everything because that would make everything go much, much faster. Like, so it's not just a, you know, one thing and then go, guess what? That would also make the joint much stronger because mm -hmm. now you also have domino, uh, tenons to, you know, to make that stronger. But, um, what, is there anything that you do, Ronnie, like now that, looking back, like you used to really dedicate a lot of time making sure everything was perfect, but now you're like, do, like, do you have anything that comes to your mind? Like this doesn't matter. Therefore I am not going to spend that much time on it. I'm going to focus on the things that do matter. You know, I feel like I figured out early on when I would go through almost like what you call my sales presentation. I felt like I, I really saw early on that it surprised me that people are not wanting to pay extra for things that we think are like a dead set requirement. Like I saw that early on and I, and I was, I started thinking, okay, this takes me so much time. Why would I spend all the time on this? If this person doesn't even know what I'm talking about, they don't even know what this term means. Why do I? So I saw very quickly when I was working with the customer base that they didn't really, especially working with interior designers, they don't really care. They're like, what does that door look like? And what color is it? You know, what kind of hardware, all the things that Sedge said. So I think I saw that and I learned it kind of on the streets that what I thought was important was not. I don't think I really changed a lot for what I do because I was already using a lot of pocket screws just from learning on the streets. Mm -hmm. And I learned that that I never, I never had a customer go, Oh, I don't want that to be constructed from pocket screws. I never yeah. had a customer say that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> People would go, what's a crown staple. I, yeah. It, it, sometimes you, you, I learned don't over explain your construction yes. methods. Yeah. 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 I you think know? that's, that's a big thing, but um, no, I don't think that there's, 
I feel like I've kind of evolved with the customer, but I did have, when I, when I went full time with it, I think that I quickly learned that everyone was not on, on the same level of understanding of what they were getting. I, I saw that there was not appreciation of if it was solid wood or MDF and all those things. So that's when I started thinking, okay, I'm going to just base my construction on what's best for me. I don't like working with MDF, so I'm not going to build it out of that, but I want to uh -huh. use you know, a, a decent plywood, but that's when I found like import, import birch. I started using that for everything and because no one cares if it was like, for example, solid cherry plywood, they don't, they don't, or, or cherry veneer. They don't care about that. They just want it to be, especially as painted. They just want it to yeah. be, they just want it, they just care about what it looks like. That's what I've learned. So I, I try to keep that in mind and not overbuild projects. That's well, I think that's, that's actually, a, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good example. Because let's say you were building cabinets and you're like, well, I, I'm going to get, you know, pre-finished two sides maple. It's like, well, why are you getting pre-finished on two sides? What, what difference does it make? You yeah. know, like do you want it to be on the inside. Yeah, sure. Another example would be when you're painting something and people have this obsession and I, I went through it too in the beginning, I've got to paint everything. I've got to paint the sides, even if it's not going to be seen, I've got to do that because- no, like that's the only way it's complete. No, you don't. You don't. Mm -hmm. only the visible things are, are what need to be focused on. So I think that's a really good example of how it evolves. Like I used to spend time on those things thinking they were important when in reality they're not. Yeah. You're, you just brought up one for me. That's one that I remember was an aha moment. I remember being in a house that I was doing a project and they already installed the cabinets and they hadn't put the drawers in there. And I saw the overspray going on the inside where they didn't spray it. And I'd sit there and I was like, what? You mean they don't do this on these high-end cabinets stuff? I'm always thinking I have to paint the insides. If they don't do it, I don't have to do it. And that's that's kind of some aha moments I've had. Like you said, it doesn't. if it's something that's not going to be seen, don't worry about it. Concentrate yeah. on what's going to be seen. Yeah. Spend yeah. the time, spend the time inspecting for swirl marks. I have, I have that written down. That's and one of the things that you will waste a ton of time. If you don't inspect and, and make sure that you don't have any swirl marks and then you hit it, you got to go back. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and so I take my time. I have a festival inspection light and I check every little thing. That's an attention to detail. That will save you time. The other one I learned way, way, way long time ago was I don't sand above 150 the majority of the time. What a waste of time that is. One, mm -hmm. you should never sand above 180 because you start to lose absorption. You start to lose claw or adhesion, and you can go back. You can you'll have uh, finish failure if you mm -hmm. sand above, but. You know, people just go, oh, my God, I got to sand to 220. I got to sand to 320. Go for it, dude. <laughs> That's a total waste of time. Yeah. Just like, you know, uh, everybody was sanding everything down at Rubio. Oh, we got to sand this and this. <laughs> like, sand it back to 150 tops to put Rubio yeah. on. And guess yeah. what? The finish is is it's so silky smooth. I have it on my desk now. It's 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 amazing stuff. But, it's a it's a tactile thing. I think when people start, yeah. they think because there's all those grits. Yep. Um, 
you know, I've, I've got to go through all of these grits all the way up to four or 500, you know, grit. And then after a while, you're like, you spend so much time going through those grits. And now you got sandpapers that like you can legitimately skip grits and get just as good of results like the 3M stuff, right? Just because of the way that it cuts, it's more effective. So you could actually jump higher grits because it's doing a better job cutting. So your sanding is like even faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, uh, another example, I'd said when your, your window seat, when we talked about that, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. it's like, there was a time when I thought that that would have to be a cabinet. It was angled, perfect cabinet. They just came in and just set in place. And then, you know, I've learned from these high end product, not high end production, but high end custom builder. And you open the lid and you look in there and you're like going, they're just putting the frame, attaching it to the wall. And you're sitting there going, is this acceptable? What is, and it, it is acceptable because this is over a million dollar house and they're okay with it. And that's when I realized it was like, you know, it's all about what is the finished outside shell and how do you accomplish that? And the nice part about it is that's easier to do. You don't oh. have to spend as much time doing a, uh, a template, you know, to build on site because you're you're not perfect on your window opening, but to build it there and do that, it's just it. There's no disadvantages to it. You put up a ledger, you build a front a front frame, or you just put a piece of uh, uh, ply there and just chair and square it in the lifting lid. It's super easy. I'm gonna do a toe kick. It's super easy. Yeah, but I think sometimes mm. your brain's like, no, that's. Oh, cheating. I was over. I was overthinking it. Yeah, because you can be like, it's cheating, but it's it's the way that things are done. And I learned, I encourage anyone listening, if you want to improve your woodworking, go to a neighborhood where they're building really nice houses and get there at the right time and walk through when you can still get in and look at how they're doing things. Like when the cabinets are out, the drawers are out, doors, window seats, things like that. You will pick up things that are like, that's okay. I didn't realize I could do that. And that's yeah. where I learned a lot. And I say I learned things on the streets. I've went into houses that were being built since I was in, gosh, since I could ride my bike to them. And when I would, when I, when I was able to drive, I was able to go to even better places. <laughs> and I just remember going through these houses. And that's where I've I picked up a lot of my knowledge is just watching and seeing how they did yes. that. And it's always easier than I was thinking it in my head. Mm-hmm. That's that's well, always surprising to me. I, I feel like that is the biggest issue with why we're even talking about this. Most people are looking at it the way that a builder would look at it, which is why we over-engineer everything, which is why we overbuild everything, which is why we see mistakes that nobody else will see, and which is why we think certain details are important when the customer does not care about those details. So early on, I do think it's easy to get caught up in that until you start seeing some of these things and realizing, holy cow, this doesn't matter. And I want to, sh- I want to share a, uh, an example that I had in my previous house in Greenwood. So I was remodeling the upstairs guest room. This was one of the last things we did before we sold the house. And I built a new vanity, right? And I built this beautiful, nice vanity, white oak. You know, I wanted to make it look all great. And when I pulled the vanity off the wall, the existing vanity, the builder grade vanity, on the back side where they had the filler strip or on the right-hand side where they had the filler strip, the backer for the filler strip was just a scrap piece of trim, mm-hmm. baseboard. 
like whoever was installed it just grabbed an extra piece of baseboard tacked it in there and then used that as the backer and i remember when that happened i mean this is within the past two two years right when that happened i was like where is the where's the craftsmanship? Like I was so disgusted by that. I was like, look at this, look how cheap this is. You couldn't even take the time. And, you know, here I went and like made this perfect, you know, riffs on white Oak scribed perfectly to the wall. And, and now I look at it, especially when we're talking about this topic. Now I look at it and go, what, what difference does it make? He accomplished the same thing. And the only reason I ever knew that was because I ripped it out and replaced it with something. Yeah, it would have been there forever. You know, yep, it's like, right. that's, yeah, that's the harsh reality. That particle board staple construction, when you see it and you, I've done it because I don't ever have time to build a vanity. I buy them regular, and they're getting worse and worse. Like the big box stores ones, you look at them, you're like going, oh my God, it's like three eighths inch strips of particle board on the back that you're actually screwing into the wall. And you're sitting there going, I, I was laughing one day. I don't care. I said, if I showed this on social media, be like, look at this cabinet I just built. I'm using three-eighths inch particle board, and I'm going to use a staple with a white triangle on the corner, and that's going to make that's it strong. Just... But once you attach it to the wall, it is strong, and it would last technically kind of forever. So it's like, but I, I would never build a cabinet that way, but, but apparently people are getting away with it. I mean, they're looking oh, at the house being the structure. <laughs> but the thing I get a kick out of is those white corner brackets oh, or clear awful. corner brackets. With that's staples. how they could. Yeah, I know. That's how they could. Strike. And yeah, in, in the, the majority of them, that they're held together with hot glue. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was a certain point where the, the it used to be the cabinets that I would buy and that they were pre-made in the box. Like you don't have to assemble them. There, there was a certain point where all of a sudden they went down a notch. Like they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, guys, we're doing this. Change this half inch out to three eighths on the back. And they were like, we're doing this way overkill. And they like took it down a notch and now, and they raised the price. And, but you know what they didn't, they didn't skimp on the doors. The doors are beautiful. That's they, they know, they know what it is. It's all about the doors. Cause when someone's looking, they're like, I like those doors. Exactly. Doors and, and door fronts, baby. That's all that matters. And perception of hardware. Oh, you mean how I'm gonna pull them open? Knobs or pulls? And I mean, how can I complain? Like the the last few houses, we've used those white shaker cabinets from Lowe's that, you know, they're I can't build them for that cheap. Yeah. You know, it's like one cabinet is like eighty dollars, eighty five for like a thirty six inch wall cabinet. Am I gonna go out and build that cabinet with two doors? For eighty five dollars, I don't think no. you have. I don't think you. I don't think you have those white corner brackets. I don't have the corner brackets. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's where we are. It's like I can't justify doing it myself because that quality, and they're holding up. You know, they hold up in a rental house, so you know they're going to hold up in somebody's house. So it's like it's it's hard, but I think it's just important for everyone to realize what normal knowledge is on building and try to stay in reason. There's always a better way of doing it, but I guess today's society, you know, it used to be, and that's important too. a hundred years ago and more, they were building furniture that was going to last for generations. Yes. And they knew that their, their offspring three, three generations down was going to have this piece of furniture they were building. But when you're building something going a house, it's not like that. 
15 years, they say, is a turn on the kitchen, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, some people kitchen may last 30, but they're going to jerk it out and change it out because trends change. And mm -hmm. that's all you're really doing. You're not building furniture. And that would be a point that would be worth making is that maybe it's worth overbuilding something when it's it's a movable piece of furniture that may stay in the family forever. Mm -hmm. That's when you want to try to over engineer, spend your time <laughs> on that. My buddy Dave Lasseter used to have this quote. I'm going to quote him, and I, I always I'm not going to mess it up. When you when you build something, and as you build it, you want to make sure to pass it on to generations. You don't want them. You want them to fight to see who gets it, not fight to see who has to take it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! When he said that, I, I I sat there and I thought about it. I go, oh my god. Oh, that's it. That's funny. <laughs> it's and 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 he was a plumber out of South Florida, and one of the most amazing craftsmen I've ever met. It was his hobby, but he turned it around to for a retirement business up in North Carolina as a remodeler. You know, uh, handy guy doing you know anything, uh, additions, anything. It's just like he's a real cool guy. Yeah. Would. Would you guys agree that all the fine details are far more important in fine furniture versus construction? Yes. 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 Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you, know, and you know, to that point, too, you think of furniture that's not affixed to the wall, it gets moved a lot. And moving is where furniture is tested. Mm -hmm. You know, like you take an Ikea piece. Maybe great, but you if you move apartments and move to another house, that IKEA piece may not make and, it through the move. <laughs> and and there's a lot of hardwood construction in furniture building, and the attention to detail has to be in the wood movement. Yeah. That's where you gotta really look at that for it to last a lifetime. Wood yeah, movement. I'm I'm thinking more like pretty much everything we talked about has something to do with like renovation, construction. Um, I mean, look at a framed house, right? That, that before any drywall or anything goes on, you look at it you're like, is this perfect? No, but does it matter? No, right? Um, they 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 don't spend over you know over analyzing or over engineering like some of the high end builders might, right? Um, mm -hmm. But you're also paying a lot more money for that experience. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to fine furniture, though, like if I'm building a Sam Maloof chair, right? And I, the whole conversation on like, what is fine furniture, right? In quotations. But I, I look at like a Sam Maloof rocker, right? To me, that's that's a fine furniture piece, right? Takes a lot of skill to build one. And there is nothing that you can really shortcut on that. It's not like, okay, well, I'm not going to put finish on this part. Like, no, yeah, you are. You're going to put finish on the whole thing. Well, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shape these legs or yeah, yeah, you are, you have to, right? So all the details absolutely do matter on something like that, as opposed to mm -hmm. your, your uh, built-in bench, like you're talking about, like you could just mm -hmm. build a two by four frame and skin it with plywood and make it look amazing. Like it's built, you know, that way in the first place, but it's in ex less, a lot less expensive. It's faster. It's, and no one would know the difference unless they opened it up. Right. And you just, you know, so it's like, house construction furniture is a different level of like movable furniture. Mm -hmm. And then you just nailed something that I've been reading. You know, I'm trying to always read ahead on the boat forums 
And it's funny because people get caught up on the frames because it's the first thing you build. You know, the frames are the crossways members that everything is built to. And there's people that posted before and they're like, I countersunk all the screws and I used like I plugged them. And, and you could tell the old school guys that built a lot of boats is like, well, that's really great that you did that. But no one's ever going to see that frame unless the boat is cut in half. Like it's no one's ever going to see that. So that happens on boat building, too. It's like people get caught up on details that don't matter, that will never be seen. So I'm trying to keep that in mind as well. Um, it's, 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 and it's all, you know, I guess it's, it's everybody who's a builder. It's in your brain to try to do it as, as perfect as you possibly can. And then social media has raised our awareness of what perfect is. You know, we should think you could take slat wall in the office and just run some finish nails through it, line it up, you know, and then you show your method and it's like, oh, <laughs> maybe that's not a good idea. You yeah. know, that kind of thing has made our awareness more than it ever has been before right. and questioning our work, you know, but it's, yeah, there's so many people out there coming up with interesting ways to do something. Yeah. But it's but it good. It's making everybody that, better. It makes everyone better. It is, better. but it also creates that tunnel vision of like, that's such a stupid way to do it because I've done it this way for 20 years. It's like, oh, oh, that's, that's tunnel vision. That's, but you know, an alternative to look way to look at it, like when it, the frame staying with that, cause that's fresh in my mind. I think about it in my sleep. Whenever I think about something in my sleep, you know, that's like top of my mind. Um, the frames have joints, you know, you think about the bottom of a boat from the point up to the side and you've got the joints the boat building community relies on gussets, which are like plywood that cover yes. the joints yep. and they put epoxy on there. Cameron and I are looking at it. I'm like going, if we put a domino or two dominoes in there on each one of those, there's going to be zero movement. And it wasn't about strength. It's about, you know, they say that when you're, when you're putting those, they rely on putting it on a board that has the shape of the frame before you apply the gussets. So it doesn't go out either way. And Cameron and I are sitting there thinking, if we put a domino in there and glue it before we add those gussets, there's not going to be any movement. And that's not something that's in conventional boat building, but it was like, we're not doing the domino to say, oh, ours is stronger. Because I totally believe the conventional way is to do gussets on each side and mm -hmm. you cover it and you put epoxy on there and you use bronze nails on each side, which I don't, I barely own a hammer. I've never, I've always been a screw guy. I don't use, but that's the way they do that. And so we're going to add the dominoes just for alignment purposes, not yeah. for strength. It will add strength, but it's just to make it better, easier for us to assemble it. Yeah, it's ease of assembly. Yes, just oh, like no. your slat wall was ease of assembly. It was not necessarily making it the strongest slat oh, wall right. no. in an office. Yeah. So sometimes you can use those technologies, not because you're trying to make it like over-engineered. It just makes it easier. And that's what we're going to do with that. Oh, it must be nice to use a domino to build a boat. I'm sure Noah would have loved to have a domino that, when he built the ark. And he did. I'm, <laughs> he did. Noah. Yeah, the yeah the first he was a Renaissance domino. man. It was a festival a Renaissance it's a domino man. domino two fifty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> domino one. <laughs> That you know, you made the comment about like sometimes you're doing things because of ease over um you know strength. And that was the biggest thing that I was trying to drive home in that video. I even said it in the thing. Like, I want something that's fast and easy. I wanted to, the ability to come in here, 
like lay out, take the time to lay everything out on my backer board. And the last thing I'm doing on this built-in is coming in here and just pounding these things away, pounding these things in. And I walk away and it's done. It looks super clean. I didn't have to worry about spacing anything or I just walk in, clip it in. Same thing with uh, the cabinets that I just built for the, um, the kitchen island. Typically, I would just use narrow crown staples and screws and I would just throw these freaking things together because both ends are going to have end panels. But for the video and for this, uh, uh, you know, an opportunity to do something else, I did it with dominoes, right? I did it with dominoes and glue, actually. But I did it with dominoes to, to register so everything on assembly would be so much easier. I just put everything together, throw some clamps on it, set it aside, right? And it's done. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it, was, that, it was ease of assembly is really what it boiled it, down it's to. It's pretty cool that there's some tools available now that make it easier to assemble, but in your side benefit is also makes it so much better. You know, like so Domino would be an example of that. Like it it's gonna make it easier for us to assemble the frames. It's gonna make the miters tight. They're not gonna they're not gonna go either way. They're gonna stay flat. We don't have to worry about them like moving on us, but it's also gonna add strength. And we're just doing it to make the assembly easier. So it's mm. it's it's nice when you're using a tool that is you're gaining two things from it. And that's where the customer doesn't even matter. Like if I was building this boat for a customer, I would use the dominoes to assemble this just because it's going to make it easier for us, yeah. not because they're paying for that. You know. Yep. You you want to know something that's funny and I I'm, I'm sure you guys have gotten this a lot too. Cuz Sedge, I know how you like to you know, assemble cabinets. How people can't wrap their head around the fact that you used screws or narrow crown staples and they're like, well, what what would you do if it was on the end? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. get that question when any time I build cabinets this way, I get that question more than anything. And it's mm -hmm. like, what what do you mean? Well, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna fill it with like bondo or something? Like, no, I'm gonna put an end panel on it. And if or, you know or applied molding. Yeah, and if you really did want to, um, if you really didn't want to have that, well, then just on that one side, just use pocket screws or something, right? Like, or, or you could just or domino. You just lick yeah. your finger and you and rub glue. really hard. If you rub really yeah. hard, like lick your finger, you can make anything go away. <laughs> yeah, it just it's just surprising to me. But again, it, it goes to show that like you know everybody is at a different level and they don't they don't know because it, they've never seen it before. They don't know because they haven't done it. They just don't know. Mm -hmm. So I can't tell you how many times I've gotten that question over the years. Well, how do you cover up the crown staples and the screws? How do you do that? I go, because I have an end panel there. And if I bank a bunch of cabinets, it's not exposed. Just like... Oh, you got to finish the whole thing. No, you don't have to finish right. the whole thing. They just don't know. They, you know, yeah. You, you it's know, called it, it's called right. experience. You, you gotta you, know you gotta go through it there, to understand it. There's something you just said, Sedge. I don't know. It just popped in my head. Jason's question earlier to me was: There something? And one, I know another thing that's really changed my mind. In the beginning, I would have thought it was absolutely awful if I ordered my doors from somebody for a cabinet mm. oh, because yeah. they're paying me 
to right. build. I've got to do it all myself. And there's no way they'd be okay with that. So that's something I would have done differently when I was doing a lot more cabinets. I would have never taken on the door construction. I would have just let the let the let the people who just do doors only. Yep. Tell them the size. They, they magically appear. Same no thing with the drawers. Cares. Yeah. No Same one cares. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The the doors. A lot of the, the doors companies do drawers too. Yep. And that's something that I would have done differently because I felt like, no, no, I have to be the one making them. They don't care. <laughs> Customers don't care where they're coming from. And you can invest a lot of money in door manufacturing machinery and all that. It just, and, and I, you know, for me as a woodworker, I wanted to understand how to install, how to make them. And I did like, you know, the, the conventional like raised panel doors. I'm glad I learned. I bought the bit sets and I, I learned how to do that. But once you learn how to do it, it's kind of like, okay, I know how to do it. You all do it a lot cheaper than I can. So And the time involved, oh, just milling lumber. It's a full day to make oh. a, a set of just maybe like six or seven doors. You can spend a full day, a full day. And no one appreciates that. We've talked, I think we've discussed that topic on this podcast before of, uh, subbing out things, right? Like mm -hmm. when, when do you get to a point where you're like, okay, it makes more sense. And I remember back when I was doing uh client work, when I did get projects that had like a large amount of doors, it was actually more cost-effective to not only me, but the customer, if I've subbed it out to somebody because they can get the cost way down because that is their business is to do that simple task as opposed to, okay, you want me to do it? Well, Let's see, how long is it going to take me to do that? Now I've got to mill all the lumber. I've got to assemble everything. I've got mm -hmm. to finish everything. And before you know it, you're they're paying more because you're doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Know? Ideally, if you're doing doors, you need like three to four router tables set up that you do not you do not change the bits. They are there. Yes. Or shaper, you know, shaper's even better. You know, it, it's just a whole doors are a good thing to specialize in. You know, somebody just wants to do doors only. But that's something that I didn't realize when I started out. I thought, no, they're paying me. I have to do it all. Right. Oh, of course. For quality. Yeah. We all go through that. Yeah. I remember the very first time I ever bought an item that was already manufactured for a project, and it was for a table, and they were turned legs from Osborne Wood Products. Mm -hmm. And I felt kind of like I wasn't a real woodworker because I bought these legs, and then I just screwed aprons into them. But one, I what didn't have the equipment to do that. But I remember that feeling. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I don't know if I should do this for a client. Like that first table was for us. But I'm like, I don't know if I should do this for a client. But, it just seems dishonest. But and it's, it's like, no. <laughs> but you knew how to attach them to the table. It's funny. You think about I always sometimes I always go back to the medical world and like say he was a doctor putting a knee, a knee replacement. Do you think the doctor felt like he needed to also make the knee replacement hardware <laughs> to make that work? Th right. That would never be the, the case. Mm. He He's not expected to make that knee hardware that's going to go into your knee. He yeah. knows how to install it. He doesn't have to like make that component. He knows how to put it in. And that's what you are sometimes as a woodworker. You know how to get all yeah. the components and make them work. Yeah. That's what you're getting paid for. That's why I got a new uh, plastic injection molding for, uh, for little uh, triangles for my cabinet assembly now. <laughs> Yeah. 3D printer. 3D printer. 3D printing my my camera braces. You're revealing the new cis corners that are coming out. Cis corners. <laughs> like it. 
Well, oh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad we we discussed that. I'm gonna I'm probably gonna go ahead and start j- or jump off here. Nicole is actually home today because she has a stomach bug, and she Ooh. has been really bad all day. I almost had to cancel the. Uh, move the podcast you guys i asked her like two or three times today i was like are you sure you don't want me to cancel are you sure you don't want me to cancel but she's been upstairs with leo and i'm sure she's ready just to go to bed oh that sucks there's there's some stuff going around yeah yeah uh, i i've heard several people say i got a stomach virus yeah yeah well everybody uh thanks for listening to episode what 111 Good yeah lord and don't and forget to leave us a review on Spotify and Apple. Podcasts. Apple. Yes. Yes. And if you want your chance to win some of our awesome giveaways, go to patreon.com forward slash green suitors podcast. Become a patron for your chance to win our monthly millions. giveaways. Millions. Millions. And one last reminder for everybody listening. Do not support off the cut podcast because they are basically terrorists the puppies will thank you yeah have a have a good night <laughs> bye 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 bye